From the Mount Smart faithful to the bandwagon supporters and everyone in between, we share a special bond. The Warriors. And who better to talk about the team we love than a bunch of nobodies? Let's go, because this is Warriors Anonymous. Kia ora, everybody. Welcome to Warriors Anonymous. My name is Jared Cronin, and we are back. We've been away for, well, about a week and a half. And, uh, yeah, apologies for our tardiness, but um, it's been quite a time, as you will know, as Warriors fans. There's, uh, there's been a bunch going on. So let's get into it with the boys. First of all, we've got Isaac Soss coming live from Johnsonville. Hey, bro, how are you? Hey, boys. How you going? Odd one out here. Didn't go to the game like you fuckers, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got coming in live from. Oh, are you back home? You back home, eh, Buddha? Daniel Fodakura, hey, bro. Kia ora, no, Yep, in Pukurua Bay. I like the Warriors. Had a had a week off. Had a bye. Got the two points. We'll take that, and we're good to go. Sorry, Fano, for the little delay, but we're back. We are back indeed. It was quite a time that we had up at uh, Mount Smart Stadium, which was the last place that I saw this current gentleman. Subbing in for us, he's a late call-up this evening. We've got Spoonie Wood. Hey, bro, welcome to the show. Yeah, kia ora, lads. Good to be here. Good to see all your faces again after such a short period of time. But, uh, yeah, happy to be here. Still lacing up my boots. Actually, I'm still looking for them. But, uh, yeah, good to get the call-up. <laughs> Mate, it was, uh, I think, the last time I... Oh, no, I didn't actually see you at the casino by the time I arrived. So, just wondering, you, you hadn't, um, you know, lost it all and, and packed the sad, had you? Because I didn't, didn't see you after that. Nah, mate. I was just trying to be controlled. I left Buddha to do that. He, he was he was doing enough for both of us. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't last long, to be fair. <laughs> last time I saw Buddha, he was trying to get us a sponsor for the show, bro. How'd you get on with that? <laughs> oh, it's, in the, it's in the pipeline. It's in the pipeline. Ex-work yeah, colleague good. from back good. in the day, uh, who's uh, who's affiliated, let's say, with the Warriors um, from Australia as well. So, yeah, watch the space, people. Oof, watch the space. I can't believe there isn't a, uh, a sponsorship opportunity that we haven't um, completely ruined yet. So so that's exciting. <laughs> um, now, Isaac, you have uh, mentioned before that, unfortunately, you weren't able to make it to Mount Smart for the homecoming game against the Tigers. Bro, I guess what I'll ask you is, you know, what was the coverage like on the television? What was it like catching it from your perspective? Oh, I think they did a really good job, eh? It was pretty emotional stuff, the stuff they were airing on Sky, but I have to give them credit. It did get the uh, energy levels up, and it just built up all the emotion and just how important it was to have a game back home. So I reckon they did a really good job. I have to admit there was a little bit of a tear in my eye at some point, just seeing the uh, the game back home. So, yeah, I think the production of it for the home game was really good. Awesome, bro. Good to hear, man. Good to hear. Now... Quite a bit going on since we have last caught up, fellas. So good things, bad things, and, you know, other things. One of the things that has gone on post-homecoming game uh, was the fact that we we had it announced that Reese Walsh, Pretty Eyes, is uh, is going to be heading back to Brisbane and ultimately playing for the Broncos. So let's, before we even get into that whole issue, we're just going to start with a little short balls segment just to get loosened up. And just to uh, get those creative juices flowing, we're going to be describing the Reese Walsh saga as a sitcom. So let's let's ask around the fellas. <laughs> we'll we'll start with you, Isaac. How would you describe the Reese Walsh situation as a sitcom? 
I'm going with The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, one episode in particular, where <laughs> Will goes back home to Philly, and he decides he doesn't want to come back to Bel-Air. And it's just a <laughs> massive comedy of errors. Just one thing being said, then another thing being said. There was no baby mama drama in The Fresh Prince, but, <laughs> you know, just a comedy of errors, basically. Yeah, nice, bro. Real nice. Buddha, how would you describe it, bro? I actually had The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as well. Um, but we only, um, we thought we were describing something else, but don't worry. Um, <laughs> not for the reason of a specific show, but more to the point that how loved Will Smith has been throughout his whole career, even post Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air made him. However, now he is, uh, not very favored and actually he's one of the most hated people globally. So, uh, <laughs> that seems to be the sort of shade that, uh, Reese has received, unfortunately, the young man. Also, but, um... Walsh pulled at Oscars, did he? <laughs> Keep my team's name kind of. out your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Keep his um, ex's name out of your mouth. Oh, dear. Yeah, so, um... Um, unfortunately, yeah, not good for the boy. No, not good at all, bro. Spoony, you've been given about uh, what, about six minutes notice of uh, <laughs> of this particular segment. Have you got anything yeah. for us? Yeah, I had a couple that came up. One was, uh, I think, possibly the cause of the whole drama with him. But so I've gone with Sex in the City. Reese's uh, <laughs> been a bit naughty and and uh, caused some problems. And then that's followed up by the just how I feel about it all. But the Big Bang Theory is just ah. all blown up. It's been a big bang and uh, yeah, not happy about it. <laughs> Good call, it's a bit bro. sad. It's a good one. Mate, that- that's fantastic because you've actually just stolen my one. <laughs> oh, that was oh, fantastic. Brilliant. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was going to say it in the sense thing. that um, from all of the, you know, um, theorizing around <laughs> Reese and his uh, extracurricular activities, um, that was why I was going to go with the Big Bang Theory. But, uh, anyways, moving right Sorry, along. Sorry, bro. <laughs> in more positive news, guys, uh, we managed to see the first Warriors game back at Mount Smart, back on New Zealand soil in about a thousand odd days. And even better, it ended up being a win. Daniel, I remember you weren't so worried in the lead-up about the result. It ended up being a good one. But how did you see the whole event itself? I have to admit, it is probably one of the most amazing days as a fan of any particular sport or a fan as a warrior that I've experienced. It was everything I thought it would be. Uh, and more it was amazing the the atmosphere just the the energy the passion the support the the warriors fans even from getting on the plane from wellington to fly up the airport was buzzing various planes from around the country were coming in fans were sort of building all day you know we we dropped our bags off at sky city to check in early as well and the city was pumping Staff were happy about it, and then as we got out there, it was just everything. I hadn't been to Mount Smart since I went to the New Kids on the Block concert when I was about seven. So <laughs> it had changed a lot in my mind. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, everything. And then the moment when Dave Dobbins sort of got us, got the crowd going with Welcome Home, that was pretty pretty awesome. And then obviously got to the, the moment where the lads were in the tunnel walking on, and I just the atmosphere was just amazing. So... Yeah, awesome bucket list stuff. And I wasn't too worried about the result because I just knew the the emotion of the day, the occasion just would have lifted. And they felt like from a game perspective that they had 
18 guys out there playing. They were that committed, so and it was awesome. Spoonie, uh, you were also present at the game. There's actually a, an interesting photo taken of you, which I didn't didn't click as to the relevance of what was going on, but you were, you, were, you had your hand up to the camera. I didn't notice that you'd um, you got a digit missing, bro. What's the, <laughs> what's the story there? Yeah, I was actually going to start off by saying, you know, I gave the whole weekend a nine out of nine. It was uh, it was top. <laughs> 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 yeah, I uh, I surprised Buds when he was doing a live video and uh, dropped it on him that I'd lost a, a digit, lost a finger about a year and a half ago on a table saw, which <laughs> I think threw him for a bit. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was awesome, man. It was uh, for me similar to Buds in that I wasn't overly concerned about the outcome. I really wanted them to win, but for me it was a real reunion. I was going there for the atmosphere and to support the boys. And if they won, that was going to be awesome. But the fact that, you know, they came out with such a great result. And as Buddha said, leading up to it, you saw all the jerseys everywhere in Sky City, all the lads walking around. We went down there early and were watching people come in and had a nice slow wander around the stadium and just really taking in that atmosphere right up to moments before kickoff and Dave Dobbin and the whole crowd singing Welcome Home. And then the boys coming out and doing a putting on an epic performance. Uh, it was it was something else. So yeah, something I'll remember for a long time. And also remember my first time there. Uh, similar to Buds, I went for a concert, but instead of New Kids on the Block, I actually went to a Snoop Dogg concert when I was fifteen. So slightly different uh, music taste when we were younger, Buds. But uh, yeah, no, it was awesome, man. Loved it. Uh, it's funny you both mentioned the uh, the Dave Dobbin song. Uh, because there was a clip on Crowd Goes Wild and it featured a few of the guys who we were having a beer with before the game. So I was laughing and I was like, hey, fellas, you, you got on TV. So uh, good work. Um, Isaac, for me, being at the ground after the game, I just kind of stood there and just kind of looked on at the whole scene of what was going on. Just kind of, I didn't really get too emotional, but it was the first time in quite a while that I'd actually felt satisfied with a Warriors game. What was it like from your couch, bro? Was there were there any tears spilt or, or celebratory drinks? Oh, it's just it was just yeah, satisfaction really of having them back. I think we all talk about for how many weeks now how important it is to have them back home. But you don't really realize how important it is until it happened. And I think it really dawned on everyone and that's why people got quite emotional about the whole thing is yeah, you don't know how good you got it until it's gone and then you get it back <laughs> and then you're like i never want to let go of this thing you know so you gotta um, you gotta was... pay paradise to put in a car parking lot as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no <laughs> sorry open goal, open goal. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, just satis- satisfaction eh? like they played well i think everyone on the team had a good game i know it was the tigers and people say ah oh, you know cellar dwellers and whatnot but they put them away, you know, to not have them try scored against them was good. And to see players that had been under the pump do well, ally Sean Johnson, it was just really good to see. It was almost like being home made a bit of a difference to his performance, wasn't it? Interesting. Yeah, um, <laughs> now, I don't know if this came across too well on the TV, but uh, at the ground, uh, Border, you'll know. Uh, <laughs> yep. There was a number of streakers that took to the field, uh, particularly in the second half. And often at crucial points where we were under a bit of pressure. So uh, I wasn't sure if they were tactically sent on or whatnot. But by my count, there was probably about five or six of them. Is that some sort of a record for Mount Smart? I thought there were seven. Was it seven? There was definitely a double. 
a double act. So it's funny. People I talk to are like, oh, so yeah, there's a couple of streakers, pitch invaders. It's, I think they're pitch invaders because they, they were clothed. True. Yes. Yeah, true. So, yeah, good correction. Um, yeah. And they're like, there were a couple. And I said, no, nah, man, there were seven. Because they, they didn't show, obviously didn't pan to every single one as well. So got to be a record. And like, was it like the last half an hour? So mm. they were pretty, they were coming in thick and fast. I guess throughout the season, we've been putting a lot of emphasis and the media have on the Warriors' poor defensive structure, um, bad reads, um, and, you know, just overall just not doing the job. Um, Spoonie, how bad was the red badge security defense blocking the field from our, our friends? One of the guys, I reckon, just wanted to get them out there so that he could put a big hit on. It was a massive hit. It was epic. <laughs> Their buds were uh, strolling trolling the uh, internet trying to find footage of it because uh, it, it was a good shot man but uh, yeah look those guys granted it's been three years they haven't had to you know had their defensive shapes set up so you know they're just getting back into the pattern <laughs> uh, and you know it was a bit of fun for the lads although I saw I did see one today actually of someone capturing a dude jumping the fence like right next to him and the dude just ran straight up to Volkman and slapped him on the ass and kept running, which uh, I hadn't <laughs> yeah. seen before. But <laughs> well, he yeah, was like live streaming today. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Classic. gosh. Yeah. No, there was. Um, I thought there was a decided lack of pace uh, from the old oh, the red badge security. Uh, that's that's probably another sponsorship we're not getting. But even me, like with a bloody you know, one and a half calves. I thought I could have backed myself to hit a gap and get past those guys. It was it was fairly disappointing from the security perspective. But um, we'll stick with the boys who were at the ground because this is a, a pretty poignant question about what happened after the game. Because a few of the people who I spoke with in the immediate aftermath of things were a bit disappointed or underwhelmed with the number of warriors that actually stayed on the field and, uh, and sort of mingled with people and, and signed autographs and that. Uh, and the guys who I spoke with weren't, you know, weren't entirely happy with, you know, the, the fact that everyone wasn't around. But how did you see that particular aspect of the game? I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I, I felt like I, I have to mention it. Oh, we stung, stuck around for a wee while, actually, probably a good 20 minutes, eh, I think. And yeah, I, I thought it was okay. Like there was definitely the crowd favourites. I think Jazz uh, had a little fan club, must have been family and friends down there that all had taped heads. He was out there for a little while. Sean Johnson was out for for a while. His daughter came onto the pitch. Uh, Freddie Lussick gave his jersey away to another kid. Yeah, they uh, not all of them, I guess, didn't stay out there, but a, a few, a few definitely did uh, as well. So like, I, it's always hard. I don't know what the kind of if there was any plan for that as well. Maybe they should have been a bit more structured on it. But it seemed like they they gave a bit of time. So yeah, we we just stuck around, tried to soak it all in as well. So yeah, we we were pretty satisfied. I was impressed that Freddie Lussick had, you know, come from the, the eastern suburbs of Sydney and, you know, there he is on Mount Smart Stadium giving away his shirt and walking around with no top on. And uh, and even our our, our favourite, uh, Matello Montoya, um, he gave away his shorts to uh, to some adoring fans. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty classy as well. In terms of on the field, Isaac, you would have had a, a probably a better view of all of this than we did at the park. What did you think of, first of all, uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita playing fullback? I think he went great, eh? And I think everyone at the ground probably would have seen it as well, like the intensity and the uh, effort he put in from fullback playing, you know, out of position. Yeah, he had a, he had a, a wow of a game, really, and I think um, everyone could feel the amount of effort he was putting into uh, into the game. And, yeah, obviously, Sean Johnson as well. I, he didn't wind the clock back completely, but he showed what he's capable of. Yeah, I think he just needed that Mount Smart energy just to 
sort of remind him of what it's all about. But uh, I think, yeah, the team as a whole just played um, really well. I just like the defense in particular. Again, Tigers aren't like powerhouses, but they managed to repel them time and time again. And that's what you want to see. You know, even if, you know, things aren't working out for them, you can always show energy on defense. And that's exactly what they were doing. So, um, yeah, it was just an impressive all-round game. And if we can replicate that week in and week out, we're a shot. Yeah, for sure. In the lead up to that game as well, obviously, Reese Walsh was a late scratching. Uh, at the time, it was released as him having COVID or whatnot. But uh, in the days that followed, turned out to be a change in his circumstances, which, you know, setting, sending him back to the Broncos. Uh, there's been a lot of feeling around, you know, how it's all gone down and, and particularly how, you know, how things have been handled. The fact that the Warriors gave the compassionate, you know, leave to Reese to, to go back and be with his family, that's one thing. But I was actually a little bit impressed by how they managed things and said, all right, if you want to go back to Brisbane, then you go back to Brisbane. What did you make of, of that? There's been a bit, bit of chat about the Dolphins wanting him and whatnot, but the Warriors were like, okay, if you're going to do this and go back to where you, you know, say you're going, then make sure you do it. Oh, I think there's a lot of stories um and a lot of angles involved as to why it was only Brisbane. I mean, obviously, it was Peter O'Sullivan, part of the Dolphins, bit of bad blood there. Probably one of the more obvious reasons, I think, of why they didn't want Reese to go to Brisbane. But yeah, if they're going to let him go on compassionate grounds and he means what he says, then Brisbane's the place to go. And that's exactly what he did. So I respect Reese Walsh for going, okay, well, fair enough. I'll do as you ask. Because, look, he could have easily looked at a million different places that would have wanted his signature. But he's showed a bit of mana by doing the right thing and going to Brisbane like he, he said he would. Spoonie, what do you think about the, the, the entire situation? Reese leaving at the end of the year and, and just sort of another example of players outwardly moving from the Warriors and, and not wanting to come over here? Yeah, I think Reese's situation is quite unique. Uh, he's a really young fella. He's just had a huge life event in terms of having a child and then... Coming into the NRL, that's massive for him. And now splitting up with his partner, having his child away, I think it would have been terrible for him if he hadn't have stayed in Brisbane. The backlash would have been huge, uh, especially after only a few months ago saying that he was dedicated to the Warriors. Look, it's unfortunate. I think he's a huge rising star and he's going to be amazing. So, yeah. Look, really, really unfortunate for the team. I think having CNK coming in is going to give some good experience to the back line. I think we just need to replace Walsh's attacking skill set. We need to do it in another way. We're obviously going to have some solid outside backs, but they're not flashy. We need we need someone who can, or numerous people that can be creating opportunities throughout the rest of our spine. But the club has had a lot going on this year it's been incredible and I think this is just a, a little bit of icing on the cake and I know everyone bags the owners and management but you know they've had a lot to deal with Reese, with the homecoming with Lodge with Brown Stacey coming on and looking for a new coach has been a lot happening while they're sitting near the bottom of the table so tough tough times for the club and I just hope that the you know there's an opportunity for them to rebuild from this moving forward. That's actually a good point, uh, both from the Warriors' perspective. It had a lot of things happen this year alone. Uh, and also, Reese Walsh, like you say, he's only 19 years old, and he's managed to just jam-pack a lot of things into his short life already. But uh, you could probably almost say it's like watching a season of 24. 
there's, there's a lot going on. Exactly. You know, some would argue it's it's like 12 months inside 24 hours. But uh, just my take on that whole um, Reese Walsh thing is that, look, I was pretty sure he was never going to come over as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and just to put those for those circumstances as well, young guy, lots going on. Uh, even if he is played up and split from baby mama, there's always going to be a reason not to come to New Zealand. So I'm actually okay with it. The fact that I think our ch- biggest challenge is defensively. I'd rather have a defensive fullback like CNK. Don't get me wrong, resource great attacking player is going to be a gun player, but we actually just need to build from the ground up defensively. And the fact that if we get, and we are, I think, I'm pretty sure it's been confirmed, but um, uh, Tamayde Martin's coming through as well, so that's a good pick-up. I think the dealing with the Broncos part, apart from the Dolphins-ish saga as well, but it just meant that they could secure that situation first without the whole market knowing about it. So they gave them certainty around doing their business with the Raiders as well. So sometimes dealing in the background quickly, creates less of a mess. If it was a saga, is he going, where's he going, what's he doing, just drags on for ages. You just rip it off like a, uh, like a scab. So, so yeah. Uh, and then, but we've got to look forward to, you know, a new coach, which um, if you look at the dogs and you look at the tigers, they're still fucking scratching around, mate. They can't get a coach. And it looks like we've got a pretty good option, right? Endorsed by one of our best coaches as well, who's from all accounts, as Ivan's told uh, Andrew Webster, go to the Warriors, mate. Yeah, and how cool is that? A, the fact that the poor old Tigers have had to go to the uh, the retirement home to go and uh, get their coach. But Ivan sort of played a little bit of a, um, you know, almost a, almost like a mediator kind of role between his former club, the Warriors, and, you know, his current assistant, um, Andrew Webster. Um, we're just going to take a little bit of a break. And we'll come back in the second half because I want to talk more about the new coach because we've got a whole bunch to cover with his onboarding and whatnot. So we'll talk about him. We've got a bit of a Say My Name, Say My Name coming up, expense account, and also we'll look ahead to the game against the Parramatta Eels, which is coming up pretty soon. So uh, we'll be back in a second on Warriors Anonymous. Peace. Doop, 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 doop. And welcome back after that short little countdown. <laughs> oh boy, welcome back to Warriors Anonymous. Yeehaw. We have just had some exciting news uh, in recent times about a new coach coming in 2023. His name is Andrew Webster. He's currently an assistant over at the Penrith Panthers. We've made a little bit of a mention about him earlier, but we're going to get stuck into his appointment and, and what it all means. So we'll start with you, Isaac. What has been the feedback that you've seen on his appointment? I don't know if it's my Facebook algorithm just set to negative, but um, just seems to be a lot of um, not bad press, but bad press from the fans really about his appointment, which I don't get. I mean, he's coming from a winning culture. He's learned from one of the best in the business. And um, I think a lot of people forget um, probably one of our best coaches, Daniel Anderson started as an assistant at Parramatta, I think. And look what he did for the Warriors. So Let's give him every chance, but I'm quite excited about what he's going to see at the club and what he thinks might need to change and what he's going to implement and um, how he's going to actually mould the team into the way he he sees it. It's interesting to me that the fact that he is, or well, from what I've read, he's been organising the Panthers' attack 
And that Panthers team we've mentioned earlier in the year that, you know, it's one of the all-time greats. And, uh, you know, obviously he's had a, a decent hand in that. But for me, I'm going to actually be watching a few more Panthers games just to kind of see how they go and, and what, they're, what they're doing. Spoonie, what do you think Andrew Webster will bring to the Warriors from next year? I think he's going to bring knowledge of a good winning structure and how it can operate. And obviously the Panthers know how to do that and they've been doing that for a long time. And there's the opportunity for him to implement that. And for me, Saucy touched on it before around his ability to mould the team. And he has to have autonomy to do that, which means certain fingers need to be getting the fuck out of the coach and, and how that team works and just let him do his thing. And that means allow him to make, if he wants to, make some radical changes because there's no staying the same and expecting something different you know we need change and he hopefully can bring what we need and some of what we need and ideally he brings a couple of those young panthers across too because there are a lot of young guns there and i'm sure a bunch of them one of their guys played for fiji fullback or something and apparently went off and yeah he's a young fella at the panthers that hasn't been signed so you know there's there's these links that he has to development players that are just off the Richter scale that the Panthers won't be able to hold on to them but he also brings knowledge of how a winning team operates and yeah I'm really excited for the potential that he has at the at the club and I just hope that the club lets him run the team the way he wants to run the team. Just having a little look over his coaching resume Daniel it's it's quite impressive he's three days older than me so he's he's 40 years old really in his you know physical prime um, but he's also been a uh, an assistant coach at the Warriors for a couple of years, so he knows what it's like being in Auckland and coaching the guys, so that's a good start. He wants to be in New Zealand. Hooray, that's a good start as well. Also, he was at one stage a player coach for the uh, Connecticut Wildcats, um, so I, I don't know what relevance that has. I just really wanted to mention it. Um, but, bro, uh, <laughs> how, what do you think about him coming in, and I, I guess what do you see him doing with the assistants because – the assistant coaches who are currently in place, Stacey Jones and um, Justin Morgan, they are on separate employment contracts. So they'd be, in essence, sticking around. How long do you think that will last for? Do you think he'll bring in his own guys or what do you think he'll do? Yeah, it's hard to say. I think he's he's worked with Morgan before, so they might have a relationship. And look, I, I think that Stacey Jones becomes the spiritual leader of the coaching group. You know, the work Stacey's doing now has been less technical. It's about been stripping back the, the team and focusing on, you know, what it means to play for the Warriors and what it means to put some mana back in the jersey too. So I think Webster's gonna need that and I'd like to see that stay and continue to be connected. So yeah, who knows re assistance and what happens there as well. But one of the points that I've heard a lot of chat about is Webster's ability maybe compared to some of these other bigger name coaches that get basically there's like 10 CVs that go around to every coaching job and they don't get any of the coaching jobs you know the Shane Flanagan's of the world's the uh, Paul Green's the Jeff Tuvies maybe he's Jeff Tuvies on the C list these days but the view I hear was that Webster obviously would be closer to the current format of the game and around coaching and be instrumental in the pathways as well so i think that's probably where he's going to have to look at his assistance you know we we saw that uh, under 18s play before uh the main game 
in the homecoming, they played the Tigers, and we just commented on the size and the physical prowess these 17 and 18-year-old lads had. But the Tigers, who looked leaner and smaller, comprehensively put them away. And you could see the, the way they played, the shape and attack they had, the ability was you know, just too much for the Warriors under 18. So what Webster can bring is coaching at that level because the reality is we know success for the Warriors isn't going to be next year. We want them to be competitive, but it's down the line, right? It's four or five years away where we're going to be competitive. So that's where the benefit of getting where Webster is, is around the future. Let's do a quick huddle and uh, go around the room. We'll start with you again, Buddha. Should Webster be able to choose his own assistants as opposed to keeping the current ones hard or nah? Oh, hard. As a coach, as Spoonie said, you know, you need autonomy. So it's his decision at the end of the day. So hard. Spoonie? Yeah, hard, mate. Hard. And Isaac? Yeah, obviously hard. He needs to be able to mould that team in his his own shape. And he can't do that with, you know, no offence to Morgs and Stacey. He can't have the remnants of a former left behind to work with. He needs to find his own crew. And also in terms of building success moving forward uh, Cameron George mentioned that things that will take a little bit of time to bed in and whatnot but do not make the mistake of calling it a rebuild because <laughs> he will chew whoever said that out um, and I heard that on a couple of those press conferences but Isaac realistically if we're looking at 2023 Webster comes in as a first year coach we've got a bunch of new guys coming in we've got a bunch of current guys going out does he have the roster to succeed next year? It's a rebuild. Let's just put, call it that first and foremost. It's a fucking rebuild. Don't call it a rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is, rebuild. is it a rebuild though? Is it a rebuild? The reason I say this is I think Andrew Webster, with his background and his success with the Panthers, especially in the tag, I think you're going to see a completely different style of play from the Warriors that you've seen in the past couple of years. I think it's going to be completely reformatted. My thoughts on one of the key key points of the attack is his work with Isaiah Young and how he's the prototypical lock these days, right? The ball player. I got a hundred bucks as he gets Tohu Harris and that sort of style of play uh, next year because Tohu Harris has got the skills. He's played five eight for New Zealand. I reckon he molds Tohu Harris into maybe the focal point of the attack. But uh, rebuild as in the way we play. And obviously players will follow on top of that, but I don't think we've got the opportunity, the luxury to be getting rid of many of the players we've got at the moment. I mean, obviously we've got, we've, I think we've got a pretty decent crop of signings coming next year as well. So, Oh, I don't mean like a rebuild in terms yeah. of um, like the, the roster. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess a rebuild in terms of the actual, the way you, you'll see the Warriors on the field, I guess. Their style of play and their shape will be completely different to what we've seen in the past couple of years because pretty obvious it doesn't work but um in terms of like the body shapes in the forward pack um maybe not the the talent out in the backs but that forward pack is pretty similar to Penrith in the way that they can play james fisher harris comparable to and blake tohu harris comparable to isaiah yo maybe not in terms of where they are at right now but in terms of style i reckon he can use that with that as well because i think if you watch the panthers play all the meters come from the outside five like you watch them, they cut down the field and then they turn in defense. They defend up the whole time. The ball goes over the back and the forwards just stay at halfway, literally stay at halfway. And they just, the outside backs rumble them back down. So yeah, you're right with the rebuild. Like I guess it's, it's kind of flipped because the Warriors at the moment, 
with a lot of effort from Dallin and Monty, but our outside backs don't make our meters for us. Spoonie, what are you most excited about seeing from Andrew Webster and you know, and what he's going to bring to us from next year onwards? I think it's a fresh approach, a fresh start. The team need that. And yeah, I saw something earlier today. Uh, Egan was really looking forward to Webster coming along. He's been through the Panthers. And I think it gives guys like that that are really core components of our team a fresh start, a something to look forward to in terms of being excited about the future. And you know, Webster, if he can bring some spark into that attack, because obviously if we're losing Walshie, as we talked about earlier, we're going to need something. We're going to need to be clever about how we do that. And I think if the guys get some confidence, it could be just what they need to take a step forward. Because I think we've got the really good makings of a team, but we've talked about this a number of times this year already. So much of this is a psychological game. And when you're down, it's hard to come back up. And hopefully when he comes in next year, he's able to shift some of that mindset too uh, and that's you know for me that's what I'm looking forward to next year is a few fresh faces coach and some players but being able to come in and and start the year really really strong that's what I'm hoping. Isaac you just made mention before about the use of Isaiah Yo and the Panthers system and setup just thinking about a guy like Dylan Edwards at fullback now he's not one of these current NRL sort of freakish type of athletes He's not a you know speed demon or a massive guy or or you know any sort of um, you know athletic freak. Do you think that bringing Webster in as the coach could you know benefit someone like a, a Charles Nicol Klukstad or um, Tim Aire Martin, whoever they're going to use at fullback? Do you think you could use them in a similar way with similar success? hundred percent, I reckon. Um, Dylan Edwards, he's one of the top fullbacks in the game, but in a completely different way to your you know, stereotypical ball-playing, uh, creative fullback. He just runs the ball up hard, he defends well, and he um, he controls that sort of back five. He, he positions people. But, yeah, he's not the prototypical um, fullback at the moment, but I reckon that style of play suits because he doesn't need to be a playmaker. You know, he can just run support and he can just field the high ball and he can make his tackles. He's got a really simple game, and... He does it week in, week out. He's churning out 200 metres a game, Dylan Edwards. So that sort of uh, insight into how the fullback position should be played would only help whoever goes into the fullback position next year. What uh, Webster can, has brought in for, for Dylan, and I think he can do very similar for CNK. And I, for me, if you've got CNK's solid guy at the back who can hold a really strong defensive line and he can be coached well by Webster. I think there's the recipe there. If I was CNK, I'd be really excited about next year and the opportunities that may come. And you've then got CNK, you've got Monty, you've got Dallin. I think that's a solid back three to work as a good foundation for the Fords to be bringing it forward. Because at the moment, you've got Dallin and Monty running their heart out every game. And I love it. You know, it's so good to see. But you miss, like, Walsh can't do that. Uh, but if you, you know he can nip through lines, but if we can get someone like CNK in there running some hard yards, but you know also doing it with the wisdom that he has, you know he's been around a few years now, and if he's coached well, I think that's an awesome back three that can be bringing it forward for us, and then hopefully again Webster can be doing some magic with the rest of the team to be shaping some nice attack and utilising the guys that we've got to really bring out the best in them. 
just thinking of guys who are also going to be uh, coming to the Warriors next year. I, I know we mentioned Chance Nicol Klukstad, who I actually spoke to um, Dolly Funoa, who's a friend of the podcast and a uh, mad Canberra Raiders fan. He's actually pretty sad to be uh, losing Chance. Um, so I feel like that's a good get. But looking at other guys who are coming across, uh, we're going to do a quick say my name, say my name, because... I know that earlier in the year, uh, Cameron George did a press conference and tried to say this player's name, and, <laughs> and it wasn't pretty at all. Going to be looking at a uh, a guy who we may be playing against this week in the Parramatta Eels side, uh, and that is uh, the, the player known as, currently known as, Murata Nakore. <laughs> uh, as Daniel, welcome, uh, welcome Daniel back to, uh, here we go. Everything all good, yeah, yeah, this is a little bit of a night terror, night, oh, nightmare no. thing. As oh. well, he told me to go away. So, sweet ass, play on, <laughs> play on, Dad. Sweet ass, no, Dad. Does he get that from no, his sweet. dad or his mum? <laughs> Probably his mum, obviously. Uh, if his dad would be <laughs> snoring, course. hey, tape his mouth up. <laughs> oh, that won't stop, no one, mate. Concrete, you need concrete. Oh, roommate stories, I love it. Uh, sorry, back to uh, say my name, say my name. Uh, currently of the Parramatta Eels and going to be a New Zealand warrior next year, Murata Nakore. Uh, yeah, that's that's not right. Um, so his his name is actually Marata Nukore. So Marata Nukore. Marata yeah. Nukore. Okay. Marata Easy. Nukore. Wait, if we can get it, I'm sure Cameron George can uh, can work on that. So <laughs> he's got bigger problems. He's got Martin Devlin to sort out. Oh man, how good are those Devlin George bloody <laughs> so fight night interviews? Oh, Holy yeah. moly. <laughs> Let's just sell tickets to those. Those are the best, best things on TV. Um, <laughs> They're questions that needed to be asked. Oh, too right. And it's good that he pushes them because, yeah, Cam's usually used to having it his own way. So um, let's have a quick look at the uh, the game against the Parramatta Eels coming up pretty soon. Let's kick things off with a an expense account. Um, Isaac, have you got the goods for us from Mr. Greg Spence? Ching, ching. Thank you, Greg Spence. Yes, ching, we ching, have got an expense ching. account this week. So this is the fifth year in a row where the Warriors have only faced the Eels once in the season. First of all, interesting stat there. Sean Johnson has kicked 27 out of his last 30 goals for a 90% success rate. So there's some food for thought if Reese Walsh isn't going to be here next year. Would Sean Damn. Johnson take the kicking duties? I'd probably say yes. Um, this isn't a very nice one, but Mike Acevo has never failed to score a try when playing <laughs> against the Warriors. He's a beast. Oh, no. Um, and at the venue so far, uh, he's scored 30 tries from 31 games. So I don't know the exact mass, but that's well in the high 90%. Mark. Didn't he um, well Didn't he light up? Was it Peter Hiku last time we played them over there? He just like, he did a thunderous fend and just sent him flying. Just yeah, he beat him. Peter Hiku like he owed him money. Um, <laughs> if the Warriors win on Friday, Stacey Jones will be just the fourth Warriors coach to back up their maiden, maiden coaching win with another victory in their following game. So come on, Stacey. We believe in you, Stace. Uh, and it is, yeah, it's going to be a Friday night game against the Eels over in Parramatta at, um, I think it was Combank Stadium nowadays. The lineups have been announced today. Uh, we've got Walsh back at fullback. Um, Chanel Harris-Tavito goes into the number six jumper. Got a few more changes around uh, the outsides as well. Our mate, Ed Cossey, on the floor. He's uh he's back out there on the uh, on the on the wing, uh, so hopefully hopefully it goes a little bit better this time. Start a um, new hashtag. Pray for Cossie. 
Look, actually, Greg Spence gave us a good little uh, insight as well about him. He's saying, look, we last time we put him against the Storm, he was playing on the left wing, out of position. Uh, and recently, he's been playing on the right-hand side and, and doing a lot better. So, in theory, he'll be playing on the right this week. So, well, that means he'll be going up against Makasivo, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Pray for Kossi. Um, <laughs> Pray for Kossi, all right. We've got a, a few changes also in the forwards there as well. We've got um, Aiken, Curran in the second row, Tavanga at lock, back at lock, which is good. Tohu Harris going to be a starting prop with Adam Fenor Blake. And we've got Freddie Lussick on the bench as well as a four, Penne and Murchie. Uh, what do you make of the lineup, Spoonie? How do you like it? Yeah, good to see Walshie back. I have heard that Kossi's been playing well in reserves and I'm hoping he's had a bit of time and is able to, to step up on the weekend. That's probably one of my bigger concerns. I, I struggle with seeing Pompey's name every week, uh, to be honest, but uh, it, that is yeah, what it is. <laughs> Poor old Pompey. <laughs> yeah, Pompey. I, I've wor- I always hope that he does well, but uh, yeah, some weeks just not quite there. But look, otherwise I think the starting side I, I'm feeling relatively comfortable with. The bench, yeah, I'm also not, not been feeling like Penne's really been performing Every time he comes out, so you know, I'm hoping that he he turns up and uh, and plays well because there's an opportunity, I think, for us to snag this if they're coming off the back of you know this big win off the the Tigers, bit of momentum for the boys. Yeah, look, I think there's an opportunity, and I hope it flows through. Isaac, what do you think about this crazy idea? This is my idea, and I like it. Currently, we've got Walsh situated at the number one position. And Chanel Harris-Tavita, our guy, toughest man on the planet, uh, playing in number six. I'm going to put it to you that we swap those guys around come kickoff. What are your thoughts on that? Me likey. I like that. After seeing what uh, Harris-Tavita did last week, I think we've all touched on Walsh's um, size, I guess, at fullback, his defensive qualities. He's got an attacking spark. Maybe he's better suited to six. It's not that long ago last year. Super big advocate for that not happening, but as time's worn on, I reckon Walsh is probably better suited to six where he can get more touches on the ball without having to worry about defense so much. And Harris-Tavita's just got the stones to play at fullback and put his body on the line. And in that Tigers game, man, he's just straight up saved the try that you know poor old Reese Pretty Eyes wouldn't have been able to do. He just yeah stopped the clean break, just stopped it dead, uh, and that was the end of that. But um, he was also... In the right spot, seemingly all game. You know, tripped over his feet one time, but but that's all right. He was always there, thereabouts. Daniel, do you think that this could be maybe a banana skin game for the Parramatta Eels, seeing as they've, you know, blown games against the Bulldogs and Tigers earlier in the season? I do think so, because they won in the weekend, but not convincingly. But it marks over the fact that they got the win. Yeah, they're the team that can, the only team to beat Penrith this year, They've beaten the Storm, but obviously the Storm are on a great run at the minute. So that, But, you know, they could just come into this a little bit half-hearted. So that's what I'm hoping, because if we don't win this game, I think, yeah, we're definitely done for the season. So this, if we could snap all this two points, it kind of just gets us into that log jam, right? Like the bottom of that log jam in that 10th and 11th space as well. So we just need to channel what we did uh a couple of weeks ago, bring that, bring that hunger, bring that desire. You think we could get back into the peloton? Oh, dare to dream, eh? Dare to dream. 
<laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, that's right. We don't want to climb the mountain. We just want to get to base camp. That's the, uh, it's the Warriors mantra. Um, that's at least the Warriors Anonymous mantra for the Warriors. <laughs> Boys, uh, let's do a, a quick, you know, quick old goodbyes. Spoonie, go to you first, bro. Thanks for jumping on tonight at like, you know, a moment's notice. Coming off the bench from the back fence. Are we going to get the win against Parramatta on Friday? Hard, boys. Hard. Oof. Yep. I, I, I believe there's the opportunity. Look, these guys have lost to the Tigers. The only thing that I'm a little bit disappointed with is that the Tigers did so well last week, and I think Eels will be hurting from it. But I think the boys have got the chance. Um, I am a little bit sad the Falkman's not there, to be honest. But, um, look, I, I think the boys can do it. Isaac, dare I ask, do we dare to dream to get the two points against Barra? I think if we can um, hit them shot for shot in the forwards, then we've definitely got a chance because Paris, their game plan is just a blast it right through the middle, and that's how they win most of the games. But if we can foot it with them, especially in the early exchanges, we've definitely got a chance to win. I like that. I like this positivity. Buddha? Fucking oath, Oops. mate. Fucking <laughs> oath. Get the two points, mate. Get the two <laughs> Friday night football, yes, Yeesh. it's back, it's back. Can't wait. So yeah, no, no, up, up the boys, eh? They'll get there. Now, awesome, man. I love this. There's been uh, some good positivity tonight. Dare to dream. Probably a dangerous spot for Warriors fans to be in, but let's get on out of here. On behalf of Spoonie Wood, Isaac Soss, and Daniel Fatakura, my name is Jared Cronin. This has been Warriors Anonymous, and yes, we may well do something in the next game. We'll see. <laughs> Go! Glorious. 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 <laughs> <laughs>